0: everybody. It's great to see you. Uh, For those of you that haven't met me before, my name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. um, And it is great to see so many faces here gathering as part of Numa Sundays. Um, We've got something special happening next week. We are having baptisms here in the warehouse next week. Um, Now... We don't want to judge the people getting baptized that they haven't braved it in the sea. We decided, normally we do our baptisms on the beach. This time of year, we thought that would be like torturous, mostly for Chris and I who have to get in and baptize the people in the sea. Um, So actually, the hot tub will arrive and be here at the front. And uh, we have a few people that will be being baptized next week. Now, baptism is where people say, I'm basically saying goodbye to an old way of living without God. And I'm embracing my whole life from here on in with God. It's a decision of you die to that past life without Him and you come back to life as a new creation and it's it's symbolic of that. You leave the old way in the water and you come up and step into a relationship with Jesus. It's like a public declaration that says, this is what I'm about from here on in. And so if you haven't been baptized and would like to be or would like to find out more information, we would love to speak to you. Um, and this is a great time to do it if you don't like the cold because you'll get the hot tub rather than the beach and the cold water, Um, which Chris and I, every time we go to the beach, we love the beach baptisms. And as we walk into the water, without fail, the people being baptized do this, is it cold? And we always do this, no. Every time, every single time. So that's next Sunday. It's a great opportunity to invite friends and family to come and and participate in a massive celebration. So um, come and talk to us if you'd like to be baptized. Um, But if not, make sure you're here to celebrate with those that are. So you're joining us in a series we've been doing for quite a while now about culture and the culture we have here at Numa Church. Who are we? What are we like? What are we going after? What changes do we want to see happen? And we are on statement number seven, which is we look to love people well. So if I can have my first slide up, that would be Fab. There we go. So these are all the statements that form our culture, and we've been working through these, and there are culture groups that happen during the month as well, where small groups of people get together online and in person to talk about the day-to-day living out of these things. We've always said, if this just becomes a set of stuff that we read and say and we don't live it, it's totally pointless. What a waste of time. This needs to be something that we live, we breathe, it brings change, and this is what we're going after. And today, I'm going to be talking about loving people well. We look to love people well. And these are the statements that we have. They're a bit small for you, so I'm going to read them out for you. The first one says this, as God has been generous with us, we always look to be generous with others in how we spend our time, energy, and money. We're confident that God loves to release blessing and favor into our lives for others and for ourselves. Second one, we're merciful with ourselves and others, committing to help people to take responsibility and find restoration when they make mistakes. Third one, we look to draw out the God-given identity in others by being a mouthpiece for Father God and speaking words of encouragement to help them discover the gifts, skills, and opportunities he's given them. And lastly, we believe every individual is born on purpose, and with a purpose, and we love to help people discover theirs. We do all we can to champion and equip people to run into their God-given destiny. And so that really is like a summary of when we say we look to love people well, what do we mean? Well, we mean those things. And it's one thing to talk about love, and to be completely honest, this is like a transparency moment. This talk, if the Holy Spirit doesn't do something and... God's presence doesn't come and change us, this talk will be one of the most simple and potentially like brush-off messages you've heard. When we talk about love, it's so easy for it to become some kind of trite message and, and actually like, oh, love people, yay, and we'll all agree, we should love people, the end. So if the Holy Spirit doesn't come and move in our hearts and our minds, you'll at least Leave feeling like you've heard something upbeat because we're talking about love, not like forgiveness or bitterness or anything like that this morning. But my hope is that we actually start to grasp the depths of what love actually is And it is more complex and more wide-scoping than we could ever begin to imagine. It's not just a fluffy feeling or something we write on a Valentine's card. Or it's not just a love song. It's something so much more than that. And that is my hope, is that we discover some of that this morning. And there's a, a lady called Heidi Baker who I absolutely love. She's got this huge ministry over in Mozambique. And she says this. She says, love looks like something. Love looks like something. It acts. And I think it's one of the reasons why everyone is loving the John Lewis advert so much at the moment. If you've seen the Christmas ad from John Lewis, it's about a foster family, and the guy in the family learns how to skateboard in preparation for this teenage girl arriving so that when she does, they have something that they can share, an experience they share together. Love looks like him nearly breaking his wrist, falling over a thousand times, going out in the depth of the night to try and learn how to Skateboard, love looks like something. It's not just someone turning up at the door and them hoping for the best. Love acts. Love requires surrender. Love isn't just fluffy, it's meaningful, it's hard, it's vulnerable. So what does love actually look like? What is the love that we hear about in the Bible? Well, I'm going to talk from 1 Corinthians 13. And what was really interesting for me is when I prepare a talk, I'll often go and listen to some other people who've talked on the same passage of Scripture. And I'll like, listen and think, okay, I haven't seen it that way. Or I haven't, I haven't thought of it that way. Or I'll read some stuff around that. And when I looked for this, I was so struck by how little stuff there is out there on 1 Corinthians 13 from people actually preaching from this passage. Why? Because it's the one that everyone pulls out at weddings. And basically what happens is this passage gets pulled out at a wedding and everyone goes, oh, that's really nice. But actually it's so much more meat in there than just it being pulled out at a wedding. And I found it really fascinating that we're not talking about this stuff more in church and in Bible studies and in conversations. So when you listen to this now, please try to not imagine yourself at your own or someone else's wedding where you're like, oh, I've heard this a hundred times before. Like actually try and really listen to the words in a new way. So it says this, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. There's nothing trite about that. Whilst it may look good on a Valentine's card, the depth of what this says is so much more than that. And I love this from N.T. Wright, who is a brilliant uh, theologian. He says this, the point of 1 Corinthians 13 is that love is not our duty, it's our destiny. It's the language Jesus spoke and we're called to speak it so that we can converse with him. It's the food they eat in God's new world, and we must acquire a taste for it here and now. It's the music God has written for all his creatures to sing, and we're called to learn it and practice it now so as to be ready when the conductor brings down his baton. There's something so beautiful about that image that language is something we're supposed to learn. This love language is it's something that we're supposed to train in almost. To be ready at any moment when God says, go, and he brings down the baton. That moment that we would go out into the world and be people who love really well. So... What we're going to do quickly, as I have some glamorous assistants that are hovering at the side of the room, if you've got a notepad with you, great. If you normally take notes on a phone or device, great. But if you haven't got anything to write with or take notes on today, then um, the girls are going to bring around some um, pieces of paper and pens. So if you need something, just wave, and they'll eventually get to you. Um, and actually, we're going to do a little exercise in some baselining on how we're doing in loving well this morning. So give the girls a little... Give them a little cheer there you go give them a wave there's someone at the back there they'll come to you as soon as they can huh Try better okay so what we're going to do when the paper comes to you or if you've got a notepad or a phone or whatever you take notes on I don't want you to overthink this I'm going to read out to you the characteristics of love from 1 Corinthians 13, and I want you to rate how well you think you're doing in this area in your life, okay? So out of 10, I want, no one's going to see this. I'm not going to ask you to share with the group. This is something just for you on your own. So the first one, and I'm taking this from various translations, describe these differently. How would you rate yourself in being incredibly patient, From one to ten. Ten is you are the most patient person on the earth. Zero is patience, what is that? Incredibly patient out of ten. How about this one? Number two, consistently kind to everyone out of ten. Next one, I'm gonna move quickly because I don't want you to overthink. Next one. Not being envious, which is refusing to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. How good are you at that out of 10? Refusing to be jealous when blessing comes to other people. Next one. How good are you at not bragging? So not bragging or boasting out of 10. What I love is that there's some of these that you've just put some low scores and you're like, oh, thank goodness. No, I think I'm a bit better at this one. This one, not being proud or inflating your own importance. (laughs) Out of 10, how good do you think you are at not inflating your own importance or being proud? Next one, not dishonoring others. I know some of these are double negatives, but it's how the passage is written. I can't change that. So not dishonoring others, how good do you think you are at that out of 10? Next one, not being self-seeking. Or as the message translation puts it, not being me, me, me. Next one, (laughs) not being easily angered, easily irritated or quick to take offense. What I love is that some of you are sat next to a really good friend or a spouse or someone, and they're basically looking at them as if they say, Don't, no, that's too high. That's, I saw you in the car the other day when someone pulled out in front of you. Next one, not keeping a record of wrongs, holding grudges, holding stuff against people. Next one, how good are you at joyfully celebrating honesty? You love honesty, you value it highly, you love it when someone's really honest with you and tells the truth. Nearly there, How good at you at creating a place of shelter and safety for people? Out of 10, how good at you at trusting trusting people? Two more. How good are you at never stopping believing the best for other people? So that's what hope is. At your hope levels, you'll always be able to see the best, believe the best. And the last one. How good are you at persevering, which is never taking failure as defeat? So... You got to the end of the exercise, and my guess is, for many of us now, we're all thinking, ooh, I'm not sure I'm saved. Like, I'm not not sure I'm actually a good human, I think I'm probably quite a bad person. Maybe you're thinking, I am great at loving people well, it turns out I'm really patient and kind, and I'm not easily irritated, and I don't hold grudges, and I always create safety for people. But I think for most of us, we would be feeling like we're left with must-try-harder. Is that fair to say, that feeling of, oh, like... But here's the rub. What if that way of loving and rating ourselves might be helpful for self-reflection, but actually is completely and utterly crushing and exhausting if we're trying to do it in our own strength? Absolutely crushing. When we try and live up to that standard of love and we're trying to do it on our own... I don't know that anyone can live up to that without it being exhausting and crushing. So we've discovered what is love. It's all of those things. But before we can live from that place and love people well, the much more important thing we need to discover is who is love. Because when we discover who love is, and we engage in vulnerable, connected relationship with God as Father those things will flow out of us so much more easily than just trying to be a good Christian or be a good human or try and love well. And I am definitely someone who really struggles with this. I often try to love out of my own resources, my own compassion, my own heart for people. And then I find myself just falling short over and over and over again. Because we were never, ever designed to live up to that kind of standard of love without the source of love coming from Father God. Never. We were, and actually, that's where so many of us just burn out. You burn out, you get compassion fatigue, and then what you end up with is guilt. Because if you're trying to love out of your own strength, and then you keep failing you then have to end up with this like, guilt complex of, now I'm a bad person. You feel bad enough about yourself already without evidence of having to write down scores about how terribly impatient you are. But here's the thing. 1 John 4 sums this up so brilliantly, and I'm just going to read you little bits. I'm not going to pop it up on the screen, but he says this. In 1 John 4, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And then it says, He laid His life down for us. This is love. Not that we loved God, but He loved us first, Then it goes on in verse 12 to say, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him. He has given us his spirit. And here is the critical moment of what I said at the beginning. If the Holy Spirit doesn't show up and God's presence doesn't show up, this would just be a nice talk about love. God has given us his spirit to empower us to be able to love God. Well, and if we try and do this without his spirit, we will burn out and keep failing and keep falling over. We have to love from a source of absolutely extravagant, audacious, abundant love that can only be found in God the Father through his Holy Spirit. Can only be found that way. We can't nice our way into the kingdom. It's about love that comes from knowing whose we are. And if God is love and first loved us, there's a brilliant bit in verse 16 where it says, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. We have to become dependent on God's love in order to love other people well, because if not, we're giving from a place of nothingness. So God is the source of love, And if we cut ourselves off from the source, we're going to keep trying to make deposits in other people's life, and it's not being refilled. It's like like going to the bank and suddenly making a massive withdrawal, but you haven't made any deposits for the last five years. You haven't put anything in, and then you're turning up at a critical moment, needing to make a withdrawal, and then there's nothing there. That's what love is like if we don't invest in making deposits of understanding how God sees us as his children. We are sons and daughters of the king, the king of the whole universe, the creator of everything. We're his children. And actually what's great is his bank account for us of love never, ever runs dry, but we have to receive it. We have to receive it. It's like being given a present that's got everything we need to love people well and never opening it. And then we keep looking and going, I just don't understand why I'm finding it so hard to be patient. I just don't know why I'm getting angry so quickly. I don't know why I'm dishonoring that person. I don't know why I'm finding it hard to be kind to that person who does my head in. And basically, it's because there's a gift waiting for us to unwrap with everything we need but it comes through his spirit. It comes through a supernatural transaction that is able to stand effectively naked in front of the king of the universe with all our flaws, our failures, everything that we wish no one could see about us and say, you love me, you love me, you love me, you're for me, you love me, you see me, you know me and you're still for me. And if not, we become bankrupt. We become totally bankrupt because we're just on this horrible, striving journey to be better people. And it's exhausting. It's totally exhausting loving people well, unless you're drawing on the source of God as your Father, who says, Let me give you all the resources you need to be patient, to be kind to not boast, to not have to inflate your self-importance because have you seen how important I already think you are? I think think you're amazing. Why would you need to, to convince anyone else you're a good person? Because I think you're brilliant. And if you really understood what I thought of you, you wouldn't need to try and impress other people. If you really understood how generous I am and the provision I have for you, you wouldn't ever have to worry about being generous with other people. If you really understood how much I see you on your worst day and my heart still overflows for you, then you wouldn't need to worry about being vulnerable with people in your relationships because you're not relying on them to give you what you need. You've already got it. You've already got it. The gift is already there waiting to be unwrapped. And when we start from that place of identity, 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 we know whose we are. We know who we are. We know what he thinks of us. He couldn't even, on your very, very worst day, have even an inch of disappointment in you. And when we grasp that, we don't have to hide. And I think some of the reason we don't love people well is because we're so busy hiding We're hiding our flaws. We're hiding our insecurities. We're hiding all of these things. And so I think some of the reason why we don't give ourselves into relationships is because of what people might think of us. What if they really knew us? What if they really saw us for who we are? Imposter syndrome is a big deal. It's a really big deal. Imposter syndrome is when we think, oh, if only someone found out, they wouldn't want to love me. They wouldn't want to know me. And that means we have a love deficiency, which then means we can't love other people well. So what we're going to do now is on your little pieces of paper, I'm going to look at those, uh, those statements again. And on those statements, I'm going to ask you to ask Holy Spirit to reveal some things to you and write them down. And again, this is just for you. You're not going to have to share them with anybody else. So the first one, that first statement, is about generosity. Here we go. So how much easier would it be for us to be generous when we know God's our provider and we trust and know and love like that? How much easier would it be? So what I want you to do is when it comes to generosity, I want you to now just ask Holy Spirit, what is hindering my love in this area, and then just write that down. When it comes to generosity, what is hindering my love in this area? And then just write that down. And then now ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to know? The next statement is about mercy and restoration. The Bible says those that are forgiven much love much. Why? Because they understand the source of love, loved them even at their worst point. And when they were forgiven much, they've learned how to love much. So now I want you to think when it comes to being merciful, forgiving people of their mistakes, I want you to now ask the Holy Spirit, what is hindering love for me in this area? When it comes to being merciful, what is hindering love for me in this area? And then just write that down. And what do you want me to know? The next statement is all about drawing out the best in people, drawing out identity in people. If we're going to draw out the identity in other people, we have to know our own identity so we know what we're inviting people into. I often think that sometimes we feel like the worst advert for following Jesus because we look at our own lives and we're like, why would we want to invite someone into that? I don't feel like I'm living from a place of freedom. So actually... When we really understand our identity as sons and daughters, we can invite other people into that. And so now I want you to just ask Holy Spirit again, if you don't feel like you hear from God, go with your first instinct. It's okay. There's no like, well, God didn't say an audible voice in my head. That's okay. Just be able to just ask God now, what is hindering me from drawing out the identity in other people? And now ask him, what do you want me to know? And lastly, this last statement is all about releasing people into their destiny. Now, if we're going to do that well, one of the things we have to understand is that we are destined for greatness, not struggle. We are destined for good things. We are destined for adventure. We are destined for abundance. And when we understand that, we are much better at calling it out of other people. Because so often, when we look at other people, we can see better for them than for ourselves, but we're still going to be limited by how much we can release them into their destiny if we don't really understand the goodness of God and the love that he has for us and for them. And it means we need to be secure, because if we're going to release people to go further and higher and faster than us and do more exciting and brilliant things than us, we have to be secure. Because if not, we're releasing people into something that then it, it, it pokes our insecurity and makes us feel bad, in which case you're going to limit how much you draw people into their destiny again. I personally want to be having people around me that I can release to do more things than I could ever dream of to have more influence and impact in the world. Why? Because my security isn't based on their abilities. My security comes from knowing I'm a daughter. That's where it comes from. So in that area of releasing people into destiny, ask the Holy Spirit, what is hindering love for me in this area? And then write that down. What is hindering love for me in releasing people into their destiny? And then what do you want me to know? Ask God, what do you want me to know? what we're going to do now is we're just going to create space where we're going to stand and we're going to pray that God would come and meet us in those things. And I felt this morning as I was just finishing up doing preparation, I felt like God reminded me of a Nat King Cole song. Um, I don't even know the name of the song, but I'm a real lover of old school music. Like, I love it. I remember even at the age of like 13, I used to go to the library in the days when you used to book music out the library. (laughs) Lucy's like, that's a thing? Um, And I remember used to go and buy all of these really old albums. And this is a lyric from the Nat King Cole song. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is to love and be loved in return. What's that? Nature Boy. Boy. That's the name of the song. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is to love and be loved in return. The two have to come together. You can't keep giving out of an empty bank account. We have got to understand our identity as sons and daughters so that then we can love well. So let's stand and we are going to pray. Where you are now, Charlotte um, suggested putting a hand on a heart earlier. Um, I'd suggest hand on heart, hands out in front of you, hands in the air. There's something about a posture of openness, a body language that just says, okay, God, I want you to meet me. And where he has revealed to you the things that are hindering you loving and receiving love, Holy Spirit, right now, I invite you to come and meet with the hearts of us as Numa family, that we might be a community of people that loves well. Because we know how to be loved. We know how to receive love. We know how to to use all of those deposits in the bank account. All of those deposits in the bank account that can be used. Because of your unfathomable love for us. Come and meet with us right now. Help us to be people that love well. Not out of striving or trying or, or kind of pushing to be better people, but instead because you want us to love well from being loved. Come and meet with our hearts and do that work in us, we ask, Father. Come and bring change. And I believe as I've been preparing for this today, there are some people who are carrying sickness in their body and illness in their body and actually love... And being loved and receiving love is actually what's going to change that physical condition and that mental health condition and emotional condition. That as you allow yourself to be loved and Him to lavish love on you, you will find that you are well. That you'll find you're well. So, Father, we ask that you would do that right now. Come and love us into wholeness and wellness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk, where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week, and remember your love.